This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Well, for me, it's a simple stroll to the back of the studio to plunk myself down in that overstuffed chair to enjoy our two shows tonight. And let's begin with The Life of Riley, starring William Bendix, and the episode, Riley Has Tonsillitis. Hey, Riley. Yeah. What do you have? Have blue ribbon. What else? Internationally famous Pabst Blue Ribbon, finest beer served anywhere, proudly presents The Life of Riley, starring William Bendix as Riley. No one can say that Chester A. Riley isn't a kind, thoughtful, considerate husband. Witness the scene that is taking place in the Riley kitchen right now. Riley is reading the evening paper. Mrs. Riley is doing the supper dishes. And as she bends over the sink. Oh! Peg, what's the matter? Ah, uh, nothing. Well, don't say nothing. I, I heard you. No, it, it's nothing, Riley. Why are you holding your back like that? Uh, have you got a pain, honey? No, it, it's going away. It always does. You mean you've had this pain before? Well, I, I get it sometime when I bend over the sink. It's really nothing. Oh, read your paper, forget it. No, I, I will not. What kind of a husband do you take me for? You expect me to just sit here reading while you're bending over that pile of dishes in agony? <laughs> no, I'm going to put a stop to that. I'm taking you to the doctor as soon as you finish those dishes. I don't need a doctor. I'm all right. Well, we'll let the doctor decide that. It's just a waste of five dollars to go to a doctor for this. <laughs> just tell me to apply a heating pad. Well, don't be such a pessimist. Maybe he'll tell you you need an operation. Look, <laughs> Riley, I'm not going to a doctor, and that's all there is to it. You're scared. I'm not scared. Don't be silly. Well, Peg, I'm surprised at you. You're acting like a child. Well, what's there to be scared of? Today, modern surgery can perform miracles. I know that. Well, I was reading a magazine about an operation. It was just marvelous. A perfect piece of surgery. This patient had trouble with his ticker, see? So they cut open his chest, sawed through the ribs, Lifted out the heart and put it on a table. And they kept it ticking all the time while they worked on it. They drained out the red corpse suckles and pumped in the white corpse. It was sort of a loop job. Then they put the heart back in, pushed the ribs together, and sewed up his chest. And the man lived? No, but it was a perfect piece of surgery. (laughs) 
Mr. Riley, you can come in now. Oh, how is she, Doc? What did she find? Will she need an operation? Oh, no, it's nothing like that, Mr. Riley. Just a strained muscle. She'll be all right if she applies some heat. Oh, is that all? (laughs) See, Peg, I told you there's nothing to be scared of. Well, thank you, Doctor. Goodbye. I'll see that she takes it easier for a few days. Don't let her exert herself. No laundry, no vacuuming the rugs, no heavy housework. Oh, yeah, sure thing, Doc. My little wife needs to rest. She's going to get it. The kids will do the work. Fine. Well, so long, Doc. Oh, uh, just a minute, Riley. Come over here. Me? Yes, I want to have a look at you. Oh, nothing wrong with me. I want to look at your eyes. They're brown. (laughs) Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, but I can see perfect, Doc. Now open your mouth. Yeah, but, Doc... Wider. Say, ah. Ah, that's what I thought. Those tonsils will have to come out right away, too. You you mean an operation? Well, there's a peg. He's after me. Oh, Riley, what's the matter? Well, he's got a batch of tonsils there. The sooner they come out, the better. Oh, really? Oh, no, you ain't going to operate on me. Nobody's going to cut me up. No, I don't believe in operations. No. Nonsense. Now, you'll be at the hospital day after tomorrow at 9 o'clock. No, I won't go. You can't make me. I... I don't need no operation. I won't go. Now, Peg, you tell him. Uh... He'll be there, Doctor. No, no. This is a frame-up. I won't go. But, Riley, dear, I'm surprised at you. Why, you're acting like a child. I don't want no operation. <laughs> What's there to be scared of? Today, modern surgery can perform miracles. Why, of course. An adultolectomy isn't really an operation. Why, I've done so many, I could take your tonsils out blindfolded. Oh, yeah? Well, if you want to get paid, you better peek. Hi there, Gillis. Oh, hi, Riley. Uh, how's the ankle, Gillis? Yeah, coming along, okay. Still swollen with a swelling. Uh, sit down on the steps here. Here, here give me your crutch. Thanks. Uh, how long do you still have to use these crutches? Oh, about another week. Week, huh? Well, it'll make three weeks you're laid up with that ankle. Well, that's tough. What's tough about it? No weight, take it easy, sleep as late as they want, family waits on me hand and feet, and I get paid every week from the company hospital plan. Yeah. Oh, I, I never looked at it like that. Hey, you're, you're lucky, all right. I gotta have my tonsils out, but I'll be back at work after one day. Imagine, I've been chunking in good dough to company plan every week just as long as you. And for once, I'm lucky enough to need an operation. Turns out to be tonsils. Why couldn't I get something that would lay me up at least a month? Ah, cheer up. <clears throat> Come on. I'll buy you a bottle of Pat's Blue Rift. Oh, okay. Why, why couldn't I have dropped a rivet gun on my ankle like you did? Then I'd be going around on crutches, too, and... Gillis! Your crutches. You're walking without crutches. Oh, yeah, I forgot. I better run back and get them. <laughs> there might be a company spy around. Gillis! You can walk without them. You don't even limp. Okay, Riley, you caught me with my crutches down. <laughs> well, what's the idea? You can walk. Oh, sure. I was able to walk three days after the accident. I figured I'd drag it out a couple of weeks. Well, you sure fooled me. Your ankle looks so swollen. Yeah, well, that part's a nuisance. Whenever the swelling starts going down, I give it a little bang with the crutch to swell it up. 
some racket, huh? <laughs> I wish I had the guts to try a stunt like that. <laughs> well, why don't you? Now you're going to bang your tonsils with a crutch. <laughs> don't tell them it's tonsils. Build it up. Say it's a serious operation. Lay you up for a month. They'll never find out. Yeah, but Gillis, that ain't honest. That's, that's like stealing. Mm, look who's talking. Ain't you the guy who showed me how to get a nickel back from a payphone by banging it? <laughs> Ain't you the guy who's always using old transfers on buses? And when you go to a restaurant, you order a steak, eat three quarters of it, then you start yelling to the waiter, it's no good, you make him bring you another one. <laughs> that ain't stealing. Well, yeah, but that's legitimate stealing. <laughs> As a citizen, I'm entitled to it. Until I get caught. <laughs> so is this legitimate? After all, whose money are you collecting anyway? Not the company's. Yours. Right. I've been paying for ten years and I never took advantage once. And I could have lots of times. During the war, there was plenty of times I was sick as a dog, but I went to work anyway. Even when I had temperature. And that time I had bronchitis. And when I had pleurisy, I never took a day off. Not once. Not even when I got my head caught in a cement mixer. <laughs> no, that time I did take a half a day off while they fixed the cement mixer. Yeah. <laughs> Enough, I'm entitled to get some of it back. I'm going to do it. Out of four. Only, well, 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 suppose they find out. Well, how can they? I'm the only one who knows what you're up to. Yes, that's right. And I can trust you, can't I? Well, you know you can trust me. What a question. <laughs> In the first place, I'm your best friend. We've been pals for 20 years. Yeah. And in the second place, if you squeal on me, I'll squeal on you. <laughs> Gillis, old pal, I know I can trust you to the limit. Uh, Mr. Stevenson. Yeah? Oh, oh, it's you, Riley. Yeah. Can, I, can I see you a minute, boss? If it's about that overtime pay we owe you, you'll get the 25. But, boss, I told you there's $50 coming to me. No, Riley, only 25. No, no, no boss, 50. Look, I'll show you. Eight hours. All right, day. all right. I won't quibble over a few dollars. You'll get your 50. Oh, thanks, boss. That 50 bucks will come in handy. Now that I'm going to the hospital. That's fine. I hope. Hospital? Well, yeah. That's what I really came to see you about. I, I need an operation. Oh, well, I'm sorry to hear that, Riley. Nothing serious, I hope. Well, kind of. My ticker. Your heart? Yeah. Something with the red corpse suckles. Well, Riley, I, I didn't know they operated for a heart condition. But uh, it's a new kind of operation. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. I think I read about that in the magazine. A marvelous operation. They practically took the heart out and then put it back in again. Miraculous. Of course, the patient didn't leave. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you worry, Riley. You'll come through. Yeah, I'll be laid up for around three weeks. Oh, don't worry about that. Take all the time you want. Main thing is to get well and strong again. And remember, when you come back here, your job is waiting for you. Oh, thanks, boss. Uh, when is the operation? That's tomorrow morning, nine o'clock. Well, good luck, Riley. I'm I'm rooting for you. I just want to say that. I can't say it. I got a great big lump in my throat. Yeah. Yeah, I know how you feel, boss. I got two big lumps in my throat. Oh, my, 
this is a nice bright room you got, dear. You know, some hospital well, well, room. What time is it, Peg? Well, almost nine, dear. Already? What's the matter, dear? You nervous? N- me? Nervous? Well, why should I be nervous? <laughs> it's only a tonsil operation. There's nothing to be scared of. Well, who's scared? I ain't the least bit scared. I'm no coward. Well, then stop chewing your gown. Uh, uh. All right, Mr. Riley, on the stretcher. We're ready for you. No! No, I ain't going. Let me go. I don't want an operation. I want to go home. Oh, Riley, stop that. Now, don't be silly. Peg, I'm scared. Why, a minute ago you said you weren't a coward. Yeah, sure I said it. I'm not only a coward, I'm a liar, too. Now, come on, Mr. Riley. The doctor's waiting in surgery on the stretcher. No. Oh, come uh, on, Riley. Fight nothing. Zip, zip, and it's all over. Yeah, well, zip, zip, you get on a stretcher. <laughs> Mr. Riley, if you don't get on the stretcher, okay, I'll just... Okay, I'll, okay. I'll go quietly. I know what I'm like. Thanks. Kiss me. Good luck. Good luck, dear. Now you, nurse. <laughs> Riley. Oh, oh. Excuse me. I, I'm so scared I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Goodbye, Peg. And remember, I always loved you. Well, you pay the bill, Peg? It's all settled. How do you feel, Riley? Ah, well, it hurts a little when I swallow, but I feel great. Oh, that's good. Hard to believe that only a couple of hours ago, I was under the knife. I told you it was nothing. <laughs> You told me. All right, Mr. Riley, you're discharged. You can go home now. Ah, that's well. Well, what are we waiting for? Let's go, Peg. Uh, Mr. Riley. Well, come on, Peg. Why hang around here? Let's go home. Come on. Uh, Mr. Riley, uh, don't you think you'd better get out of that nightgown first and put your pants on? Oh. Well, just for being fresh, nurse, I ain't changing my will. I was going to leave this hospital in my brain, but now I'm not. Well, you hold on to it, dear. You'll never know when you'll need it. Uh, Anything wrong, Mr. Stevenson? You look worried. I am, Millie. I'm worried about Riley. It's a serious operation. Poor devil. What time is it? Twelve o'clock. We should have some news by now. Get me to the hospital. Yes, sir. An awful thing to go through. And I, I didn't realize he was a sick man. Look, picture of hell. Here you are. Hello? Blueview Hospital. Now, I'd like some information about a patient, Riley, Chester Riley. Uh, one moment, please. I'll check. Thank you. Millie, uh, don't forget to send Riley flowers. Hello? Yes, yes. How is Riley? Mr. Riley's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Gone. But but he was just operated on this morning. Well, it was all over very quickly. <laughs> Gone. What's the matter, Mr. Stevenson? Never mind the flowers, Millie. Riley's dead. <gasps> oh. And 
now back to the life of Riley, starring William Bendix as Riley with Paula Winslow and John Brown. Just a few minutes ago, Mr. Stevenson, Riley's boss, dialed the number of the Blueview Hospital, listened to the terse words from the nurse at the other end of the line, turned pale, and as the receiver fell from his limp grasp, he was heard to exclaim in a voice choked with emotion, Poor Riley, dead. Ah, but little does Mr. Stevenson know that at this very moment, Riley is very much alive. Reclining comfortably in his bed at home, he's living the life of Riley at the company's expense. Ah, this is the life, Peg, lying in bed, nothing to do but read and eat, sleep late in the morning, no time clock to punch. <laughs> Three weeks of this and I'll never want to go back to work. <laughs> Three weeks? What are you talking about? Oh, yeah, that's right. I didn't tell you, did I? (laughs) (laughs) You'll be well enough to go back to work tomorrow. I'm going to stretch it to three weeks, a month maybe, maybe even a fortnight. (laughs) (laughs) Why, that's crazy. You won't get paid. Uh You're forgetting about the company's sick benefit plan. Uh, Mr. Stevenson won't give you three weeks' pay for tonsils. (laughs) Who's got tonsils? I told him I'm having a heart operation. <laughs> what? Oh, Riley, how could you tell such a lie? I ain't such a lie. After all, my heart's only a few inches from my tonsils. <laughs> Riley, you, you can't do this. I, I won't let you. Why not? Stevenson fell for it hook, line, and sinker. Don't worry, he says to me. Stay home as long as you want. The main thing is to get well. And there'll always be your job waiting for you. Oh, what a jump. <laughs> How did he ever get to be the head of a big company? I got more brains than my tonsils. <laughs> Riley. I, oh, you can't be serious about this. It, it's dishonest. Oh, look who's talking about honesty. Oh. Why, I never did a dishonest thing in my life. No? I've seen the way you buy strawberries in the market. <laughs> You take all the big strawberries from the top layer of all the other boxes and fill up a box of your own. Uh, I, I do not. Yeah, well, you get me to do it. Uh, what about the time we went to that banquet? You bought a dress at the May Company, wore it to the banquet, and the next day you returned it and got your money back. Uh, well, it, it, it didn't fit. It, it was too tight. Yeah, well, who told you to eat so much at the banquet? <laughs> We're talking about tonsils. Now, look, Riley, I won't let you do this. Now, Peg, my head is made up. I won't let you, do you hear? I won't now, let please, you. please, please. Don't get me excited. Remember my heart condition. Oh. I mean, uh... uh You're uh, going to phone Mr. Stevenson and tell him you didn't have an operation. Tell him it was postponed. I will not. Then I will. Oh, you wouldn't dare. Oh, wouldn't I? Just watch me. No, wait, wait, no, no, Peg, wait, no. Wait, 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 okay. Okay, you win. I'll tell him when I go to work tomorrow. Well, now that's more like it. And the next time you try to pull a stunt like that, that, that's enough, Peg. Oh, there's somebody at the door. Hey, shut my door on the way out, will you, Peg? You want to take a little nap? All right, I'm coming, I'm coming. Yes? Oh, it's you. Yes, it is I indeed. Digby O'Dell, the friendly undertaker. My goodness, Mr. Odell, you rang that bell loud enough to wake the dead. Believe me, I'd be the last person who'd want to do that. (laughs) May I come in? Certainly. My dear Mrs. Riley, I heard the sad news about your spouse this morning. I expected you to tell me. 
please accept my evil sympathy. Oh, don't be so grim, Mr. O'Day. Ah, you're a brave little woman. Tell me, did he suffer much? Oh, no. It was all over in a minute. Bully for him. He's much better off this way. That's what I keep telling them down at the office. <laughs> it had to happen sooner or later. The sooner the better. Oh, if only everybody had that attitude. May I see him now? Of course. In the bedroom. What's the matter? Twenty-five years in the business. This is the first time I've ever heard one of them snore. Oh, is he snoring? Well, wake him up. Who, me? He's walking. Now I've seen everything. Well, what's the matter with you, Digger? You look as if you've seen a ghost. I have. Who, oh, me? <laughs> Riley, a ghost? Believe me, Digger, I'm very much alive. <laughs> it's no laughing matter. The whole neighborhood is in mourning. Are oh, you kidding? Out of respect for you, the pool room has closed its doors for the rest of the day. Why, this is fantastic. How did such a rumor start? Why, I, I don't believe it. I assure you it's true. I passed Riley's plant a little while ago. The flag is at half-mast. The men congregated in little groups, spoke of nothing else. Heart condition, they said. Heart condition? Chester Riley, you and your ideas. I knew something like this would happen. Oh, I, I've told you time and time again. Why can't you act like a normal human being? Hello? Hello, Mrs. Riley. This is Carl Stevenson. Oh, Mr. Stevenson. I've heard the sad news. <laughs> I'm in the neighborhood with some of dear Chester's friends. We'd like to drop in and pay our last respects to a fine soul whose departure has saddened us all. But, Mr. Stevenson... Don't try you... to talk. I know how you feel, but you must be brave. <laughs> we'll be right over. What? Mr. Stevenson... Hello. Miss, hello. Well, that was Mr. Stevenson. He's coming right over to pay his respects to your widow. <laughs> How are you going to get out of that one, Peg? <laughs> oh, I'm really dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, What'll I do? What'll I do? Craig, when he gets here, you, you tell him that I... That, that tell you, him what? Well, tell him that you... Well, you'll think of him. Tell him I... Oh, I, 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 no, no, not me. Because I'm not going to be here. Yeah, but Peg... Uh, you got yourself into this, now you get yourself out. You're not going to pass the buck to me. I'm going to lock myself in Babs's room and save her. No, Peg, wait. Fine wife I got. Digger, what'll I do? If Stevenson finds out I lied, I'll lose my job. How did this story about my being dead get started anyway? I... Hey, Tim, what'll I do, Digger? Oh, I wish. I wish. That's it. That's it. I'll play dead for a few minutes, and then he'll go away, and I'm safe. Riley, you can't get away with that. Well, playing dead's my only chance. 
If he finds out I'm alive, he'll kill me. <laughs> Come on. Come on, in the bedroom. But, my dear man, playing dead, it, it's unethical. It's, it's... Oh, don't argue, Digger. It's my funeral. In that case, lie down. <laughs> okay. Close your eyes. Yeah. Hold your hand. Yeah, what else? Now, if you could only stop... No, I guess not. <laughs> let him in. But don't let him get too close to me. I had onions for lunch. All right, dear. Come in, gentlemen. I'm Carl Stevenson. I'm Digby O'Dell. Oh, yes. Oh, of course, I've seen your advertisements on the bus benches. <laughs> These are Chester's friends, Mr. Durkin, Mr. Shapiro. Yes, we've met. How do you do, gentlemen? Hello. Is Mrs. Ryan... Oh, uh, she's indisposed at the moment. I understand. Must have been a terrible shock. May we see him? This way, gentlemen. If you'll just stand here in the doorway. There he is. Poor Riley. He was a fine chap. Gee, he looks so natural. You did a good job, Digger. <laughs> Thank you. My card, gentlemen. <laughs> to believe Riley's gone. Yeah. Only yesterday we was playing pinochles. And now... Poor Riley. At least he went fast. You have no idea how fast. <laughs> Mr. O'Dell, there'll be expenses, and I know Riley wasn't kind to save much, so send the bill to me. And uh, there was some overtime pay that was due him. I brought it here. It amounted to... Uh, <clears throat> $25. What's wrong? I could have sworn I just saw Riley twitch. <laughs> As I was saying, the overtime came to $50. Now, gentlemen, perhaps you'd better be shoveling off. Yes, yes, of course. I extend my condolences to Mrs. Riley, and if there's anything I can do, you, you'll let me know. Yes, of course. Good day, gentlemen. Bye. All right, Riley, you can get up now. Yeah, we, we put it over, and we fooled him. We got away with it. He really thought I was dead. Oh, oh Riley. Hey, we got nothing to worry about. Oh, you told him. No, I played dead. <laughs> <laughs> You? What? I had to. <laughs> oh, boy, what a guy won't go through to hold a job. <laughs> you idiot. If you're dead, how can you hold your job? <laughs> what a revolting development this is. <laughs> Is that you? Yes, it's me. Well, did you see Stevenson? I saw him. Well, what did he say? Oh, man, send his wife to beg for his job back. Well, what did he say? Was he surprised to hear that I wasn't dead? Surprised, but not overjoyed. Yeah, well, is it okay? Do I get my job back? Yes. Lucky for you, he blamed that nurse at the hospital. Oh, then I can go back to work tomorrow, huh? No, the day after tomorrow. Well, why not tomorrow? 
Tomorrow, he wants you to see his psychiatrist. Oh. Riley, you've got to see a psychiatrist, huh? Yeah, well, what's he going to do to me, Harry? Well, he'll have you lie down on his couch, and when you're nice and comfortable, he'll ask you questions. Questions? Sure. He'll probably say, Mr. Riley, what'll you have? Oh, oh, I ain't nuts, Doc. The only answer to that is Pat Blue Ribbon. Finest beer, sir. Anywhere. Smoother, smoother, smoother flavors. Zest and sparkle, million flavors. Taste that smoother, smoother flavor. Pat's Blue Ribbon Beer. What'll you have? Pat's Blue Ribbon. Pat's Blue Ribbon invites you to join us again next week to hear The Life of Riley, starring William Bendix as Riley. Tonight, just a few hours from now, Pabst Blue Ribbon brings you direct from San Francisco another exclusive Pabst Blue Ribbon event in sports. The 10-round heavyweight fight between former world heavyweight champion Joe Lewis and San Francisco's own Andy Walker. The whole world is waiting for the outcome of tonight's fight as Joe Lewis guns for his fourth comeback victory. See your newspaper right now for time and station in your city for the big fight tonight. Harry Von Zell speaking. Stay tuned for Richard Diamond, Private Detective, next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective, in a show that was first aired in 1950. Broadcasting Company presents Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. All right, Shamus, hand it over. Let's have it. Have what? I ain't got time to play games. This time you got to believe me. This time I'm unhappy, so hand it over. You're not making it very easy. I'm going to make it a lot tougher. How much tougher can things get? You'd be surprised. I've waited a long time for this. Well, I guess everything comes to he who waits. You won't have to wait anymore. You know something? I don't mind killing you at all. Here's another exciting half hour with Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. Diamond Detective Agency, homicide made easy. With us, it's the corpse that counts. Oh, I just don't think I'll ever get used to it. Hi, Helen. Hi. What are you doing? Oh, uh, right now, nothing. But I've been considering a few push-ups or something just to keep my heart going. <laughs> I've been sitting behind this desk so long my blood doesn't circulate anymore. It just lies around in puddles. Oh, Rick. Morning, Mr. Diamond. Oh, hold it a second, honey. Morning, Phil. Who's Phil? Uh, the postman. Oh. Special delivery for you. Return receipt on it. Stand right here. Sure. Hmm. Okay, there you are, Phil. Okay. See you later, Mr. Dunn. Yeah. Rick? Yeah, yes, dear? Well, what is it? Hmm? What did the postman want? Oh, well, wanted to give me a letter. Oh? Special delivery from the city hall. Oh, must be important. What does it say? Oh, let's see. It says, uh, Mr. Richard Diamond, uh, 
address, so on and so forth. Oh, yeah. Mm. Dear sir, you are hereby notified that under the laws of this state, you can be called... Oh, for Pete's sake. What's the matter? Of all the rotten... Oh, stop making noises and tell me what's wrong. You know what this stupid letter is about? I've been trying to find out. I, honey, have got to report to the police commission and get examined. Oh, Rick, have you caught something? Dear, in this state, the commission can call in any private detective and give him a test to find out whether or not he can still qualify to keep on operating. You mean they give you a test like in school? You're darn right. Oh, oh and it says here I've got to appear today. Well, what if you don't? Well, I lose the bond I had to post when I took out my license. Oh, Rick, you better get right down there. Oh, oh, and here's something else that's real cute. Guess where I have to take the test? Walt's precinct. Has to be. Yeah, aren't they the little devils? <laughs> Report to Lieutenant Walter Levinson, 5th Precinct, Homicide. What time, Rick? Time? Ten minutes ago. Oh, bye, Rick. It was ten after eleven when I hung up on Helen. It was twelve after when I hit the street. The 5th Precinct was a good ten blocks away, and I was bounding into the squad room by 11.18. Needless to say, it put a horrible strain on several unused ligaments. Four or five boys in my charming profession were there ahead of me. Well, boys, it looks like the commission's serious this time. When they start dragging in their pets, namely one Richard Diamond, you can bet the heads are going to start rolling. Why did the heads do start rolling, Romero? You got a spare. Ah, it's very... Hey, Shamus, you're late. Well, Sergeant Otis... Do you need a shave, or you've been sleeping with your head on a porcupine? I ain't got no time for your crummy jokes, Diamond. Take a seat and wait your turn. Thank you, Otis. Uh, by the by, you're the last on the list. <laughs> that figured. Yeah, take a seat, Diamond. Last on the list, yeah? <laughs> Looks like you don't swing as much wet as you thought you did. At least now I can understand the reason for this examination. Oh, you can, eh? Sure. Guys like you, Romero, would make it necessary to clean up any organization. Oh, I take it you don't think I'm a credit to the profession, eh, Diamond? Take it any way you like, but stick with the first guess. Oh, what's the matter, Rick? Maybe I'm taking some of your business away, eh? Look, Romero, the kind of business you handle would keep me buying too much disinfectant. <laughs> and as long as you're asking what's wrong, I'll tell you two things. Yeah? You're a lousy detective and you'd burn your grandmother if there was enough money in it. Oh, okay, what's the second beep, Ricky? You just said it. You want to talk to me? It's Mr. Diamond. You slip again, I'll put your jaw in a position so you won't forget. Is that right? Oh, get out of my way, Romero. Oh, sure, sure, Mr. Diamond. Hey, Rick, can I see you a minute? Yeah, by all means, see your friends and have a good talk about me. Oh, what is it, Alan? I just thought you might be more comfortable over here. I would have called you sooner if I was kind of hoping you might lay one on Romero. Oh, I'd love to bust his face up. There's just no excuse for him. Okay, so we all got our bonds to worry about. Relax, you got a long wait. Okay, Diamond, it's your turn now. Not really. Go on in. Sorry you had to wait so long. Thank you, Sergeant Otis. You're very kind. If I'd waited any longer, I'd have been numb. And don't ask me where. Now, come in, Rick. Bring your slate pencil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sit down, Mr. Diamond. In a nice, soft chair? Oh, I'm afraid I couldn't do that, Lieutenant. 
I've gotten so used to that bench outside, sort of grown to fit it, you might say. Oh, now, Rick, I'm sorry, but there was nothing I could do about Mr. it. Mr. Diamond, Lieutenant. Huh? Oh, yeah, I hear you've been giving that to a lot of people lately. Otis tells me you and Pat Romero had some kind of discussion along those lines. Uh, why doesn't the government stick Otis out on the beach somewhere and use him for radar? Let him look for flying saucers. Rick, there's no sense in acting like a child. The name is Diamond. Since when? Since two hours of solid sitting, Lieutenant. Okay, Mr. Diamond. Unfortunately, the commission set this thing up, Mr. Diamond. I had nothing to do with it, Mr. Diamond. Hmm. As for your waiting, there's enough hard feelings about your relations with this department. I put you at the head of the list, Mr. Oh, Diamond. shut up. Lieutenant. Lieutenant. Mr. Diamond. Mr. Diamond. That's better. It certainly is. Here's the first half of the examination paper. You'll get the second half later. Write the answers to these questions. Mm. How long have I got? Take your time. <laughs> Still mad? Yeah. Oh. So for the next 30 minutes, I wrote. I wrote and Walt stood. It was something I could always count on with Walt, and being my best friend, he never had been able to get used to it. I looked up and caught him a couple of times, looking out of the corner of his eye to make sure I was getting them right. Don't misunderstand, Walt would never give me the answers. He'd just cough or blow his nose or something to show me I wasn't on the right track. Hmm? Oh. Oh? Huh. There you are, Lieutenant. Thank you, Mr. Diamond. Am I finished? You most certainly are not. Like the others before you, Mr. Diamond, you will have to solve, to my complete satisfaction, a hypothetical case of homicide. And then come back here and fill in the second half of the examination. Oh, for Pete's sake, Wall. I did that in police school. It's oh, for Pete's sake, Lieutenant. Oh, all right. Uh, one moment, Mr. Diamond. I'll get the man who's going to give you the test. Otis. Uh, yeah, Lieutenant? Oh, no. Would you mind coming in here and taking Mr. Diamond down to the basement? He's ready for the test, huh? Yes, Sergeant, he's ready. Now, if there's a dummy in that room there, Diamond... You sure leave yourself wide open, Otis. Thanks. Uh, now the dummy, or in this case, the victim, has been murdered. You will go in and try to solve the murder to the best of your ability... If you are intelligent and observing, you will locate the necessary clues which have been placed about the room. Go on in. How long have I got, Sergeant? 30 minutes. Start now. Go ahead in. Otis. Otis. Oh, oh come on, Shamus. You ain't going to tell me you solved it already. No, Otis, I ain't. But there's something I think you should know. Yeah, what? There are two victims in this room. Now, I hate to be the one to tell you, but I'm afraid one of them isn't really a dummy. What do you mean? One of them is a body, and it's very dead. Get the lieutenant. Well, there you are, Walt. Pat Romero. Shot through the head. Oh, no, no, no. Shut the door, Otis. Yeah. And lock it. Stand in front of it. Don't let anybody in. How did this happen? How did Romero get shot in my department? Oh, what'll the commissioner say? Uh, Lieutenant... You shut uh, up. Walt, uh, relax. Will you take it easy Oh, now? sure, sure. Relax. Take it easy. When the commissioner hears about this, I'll have a lot of time to relax on a beat in Flatbush. Look, Walt... And I... the newspapers. What's going to happen when they get wind of this? Listen, Walt... Private I... detective shot in lab room of 5th Precinct. Homicide. 
Relax. Take it easy. Sure, sure. Well, at least shut up long enough to hear what I've got to say. Rick, what am I going to do? Well, now listen to me. If we can solve this thing before anyone gets wind of it, maybe it won't be so bad. You're right. Maybe it won't. We'll keep this room closed up as long as possible. Otis, if you let anyone in here, I'll personally see that you never... Where are you going, Diamond? I'm going to Romero's office. I'll call you from there. Make a check on his body and have all the dope ready for me. Oh, don't you worry about the dope, Rick. I've got more dope in this department than any other in the whole world. I've got the biggest. Otis. Uh, yeah, Lieutenant? Walt chased Otis up the wall, and I headed for Pat Romero's office. Everything was happening so fast, I didn't take time to think much past the fact that the private detective profession had taken a step in the right direction when someone retired Romero. But Walt was in a spot, and someone had broken the law, so it looked like it was up to me to try and tie things together. I got to Romero's building, went up to the eighth floor, tripped over a couple of rats having a nervous breakdown because he couldn't find their way out, found his office, opened the door, and started feeling sorry for myself right away. Oh. I never saw him. All I remember is something black and shiny in front of my face just as I hit the floor. When I tried to take a better look, the bright, shiny something kissed me right in the mouth and I went to sleep the hard way. When I finally came around, it was like trying to tiptoe through an acre of beach balls. I stumbled a couple of times, spit out a little blood. Very little, because the way I felt, there couldn't have been too much left. When I finally got around to a normal way of thinking, I perceived two things. It was still daytime, and the office of one Mr. Pat Romero, deceased, was a wreck. Fifth Precinct Homicide. Well? Who is this first? Oh, now, come on. This is Diamond. Well, I thought so, but I'm not going to admit anything for a while, even my name. Anyone find out about... Shh, no. What did you find out? Well, I walked into his office and got my brain scattered. By whom? By whom? I don't know. I wish I did. I have a very sore head. Well, Romero was shot all right, but we can't find the bullet. That's not a very big room. We'll find it, but in the meantime, here's something else. Romero had $10,000 in cash on him. New bills. Go ahead. That's all we've come up with so far. We'll have more to go on when we find that bullet. Maybe it's still in him. Went clean through. Messed up his pretty patent leather haircut. What? What do you mean, what? I said the bullet... Oh, never mind. Never mind, Walt. Bless your little pointed head. You just gave me an idea. About what? About the guy who worked me over a little while ago. Yeah, hurry up and find that missing bullet. Walt had said something about patent leather when he referred to Romero's greasy hairdo. That was all I needed. It opened a door someplace, and there, sitting with its legs crossed, was the biggest hunch I've ever seen. And it was wearing patent leather shoes. The only guy I could think of who would know a man like Romero and still wear patent leather shoes in the afternoon was a local gambler with a reputation as a fashion plate, monocle, striped trousers... And always the patent leather shoes. In fact, that's where he got his nickname, the patent leather kid. This was a small clue and I knew it, but one thing was in my favor. Anyone who would tear up Romero's office and kick me in the face had to be a bad little boy. And the patent leather kid was typecasting. The kid's real name was Amos Fletcher and he ran a small club over on 14th Street. Oh, I'm sorry, my friend, but the... Well, hello, Fletcher. I was going to say I'm sorry, my friend, but the place isn't open until six. I got a few questions. Come back at six. Fletcher, I'm a little unhappy right about now. You answer the questions like a good boy or I'll kick you all over the place. You mind if I call a few of my boys to watch? If you like. 
Tell him I got a 38 under my arm that goes off and I get excited. Tell him I sort of lose my head when I get kicked in the mouth and don't get the answers I want. <laughs> I think you better believe me. So you got kicked in the mouth? Yeah, by a pair of patent leather shoes, just like yours. I had nothing to do with it. You know a guy named Romero? Romero? No, I don't know a guy by that name. Where were you an hour ago? Right here. I have a couple of friends to prove it. We were playing cards, canasta. Okay, okay. I'm glad you're satisfied, Mr. Diamond. We said I was satisfied. No? Not a bit. Well, what about this Romero? He got himself shot. Badly? As bad as you can get shot. Well, Shamus, that's a chance you boys take. Maybe Romero would have lived longer in another racket. Think about it, Shamus. I'll think about it, Fletcher. I'll think about it a long time. Good. Let me know what you decide. You'll hear about it. Walt, check and find out where Amos Fletcher does his banking. See if he's made any big withdrawals lately. Patent leather kid? What's he got to do with it? Just check. Okay, okay. What about the bullet? Have you found that yet? No. Oh, swell. Did you find anything else? A bunch of stuff in Romero's wallet. What? Oh, driver's license, social security number, some business cards. Card from a real estate office that might be important. Why should it be? A notation on the back. It says, call Miss Crockett about new lease. Date after that, yesterday. New lease? Romero has an office. I wonder what this new lease is. Why don't you check? Crockett Real Estate, Lexington Avenue. Bye. I'll revour. What? Something I could... Well, well, well. Good afternoon. Ain't a bow. <laughs> Those can be before you rolled them gorgeous shoulders through that door. <laughs> Sit down, Sonny. Relax. Uh, have yourself a drink. Uh, no, thanks. A little early in the day for me. Uh, a little early. Well, you'll excuse me, won't you, Sonny? If it gets any later, my stomach's liable to rust. <laughs> Get it? Yeah, all over me. What's your name, Sonny? Uh, Gotta know, you know, if I'm going to sell you some real estate. Play football in school? Uh, figures, figures. Oh, look at them shoulders. Look, sweetheart. Huh? What did you say? I said, look, sweetheart. Oh. Why? <laughs> no sense in raising all these goosebumps for nothing. <laughs> sweetheart, huh? <clears throat> What can I do for you, Sonny? You want Madison Avenue at 50 cents a front foot? <laughs> hey, that's pretty good. Mm. Sure you won't have a drink, Sonny? Uh, no, thanks. I'd just like to ask you one question. Go, go right ahead, Sonny. You know, I, I, I may not look it, but I'm considered one of the best real estate agents in this state. Do you know a man named Romero? Sure, I know him. Did you just rent him some offices? Yep. Signed the lease yesterday. A whole new suit of offices over on 46th Street. 46th Street? Mm. Where on 46? Oh, right. The other... Say, you're 
Are you a cop? What makes you think that? Oh, I don't know. Romero's offices are right across from the police station. The fifth precinct. Sonny, you bother me. You're too nervous. Now, why don't you just sit down and get comfortable and we'll What talk... building are the offices in? Carson building on the fourth floor. But what don't you just take it easy, Sonny? Thanks, sweetheart. Oh, you devil, you. <laughs> Rick, we know Romero was shot in this room while he was either sitting or kneeling. Because the bullet entered his head at a high angle. Yeah. I think he was shot with a rifle, Walt. A rifle? Yeah, from across the street. Romero rented some new offices in the Carson building, directly opposite this building. I just saw them. Somebody tore in those apart, too. Ah, uh, well, I checked on Amos Fletcher. Does his banking at the National. Made a withdrawal this morning, 10,000 bucks in new bills. Who is it? Come on in. As a shaman solved the jet, Lieutenant. Walt, come here. Yeah? Now, look, fourth floor, Carson building, right over there. See the open window? Yeah. Now, if someone in one of those offices fired a rifle, and there's no bullet hole in the lower portion of the window in this room, that means it went through the open part. So Romero would have to be standing all, let's say, about, uh, oh, about right here. That would make the slug somewhere out in the hall. Right. But it would have to pass through the door. There's no hole in the door. Hey, the door was open when me and the shamas came down here. That's right, Walt. Let's see if we can find that bullet. What was Romero doing down here? Oh, he was just finishing this part of the test when I went up to get diamond. Hey, Walt, Walt. Huh? I think I got the bullet. Yeah. Under the rug. Yeah, you'll have to pry it out. It's in the floor pretty deep. Okay. Who did you go after? Amos Fletcher? That's right. What's your proof? Not much. It's all a guess. You know what kind of a guy Romero was. Yeah, the worst. Well, let's see. Romero had 10000 in his pocket. Fletcher took out 10000 this morning. Sounds like blackmail. Could be. Somebody was tearing Romero's old office apart looking for something when I broke in on him. And got a patent leather shoe in the face for my trouble. That isn't very much to go on. Well, how about this? I asked Fletcher if he knew Romero. He said no. But as I left, he mentioned that Romero probably got killed because, like myself, he was in the wrong racket. How did he know that? Well, still not enough to convict him. Would a confession do it, Grouchy? You know darn good and well a confession is the only thing that would do it. That or find the murder weapon and prove it belongs to Fletcher. No, you're so technical. Okay, I'm I'm going back to the office. Give me about ten minutes and have Otis call Fletcher. Oh? Uh, have Otis call Fletcher? Oh, not as Sergeant Otis. Just just have him call and give Fletcher a, oh, a friendly tip. From the way those two offices were torn up, it's my guess that Fletcher hasn't found what he's looking for yet. Just tell him I found it. Found what? Well, found anything. You don't have to be specific. Who said I was going to be? Going to be what, you mallet head? Specific! You don't even know what it means. It means precisely formulated or restricted. Huh? Oh, here, I got the bullet out of the floor, Lieutenant. Bye, Walt. I left the precinct and headed back for Broadway in my office on the corner of 53rd. I knew that Amos Fletcher, the patent leather kid, was the boy we wanted... But whether or not he'd fall for the gag was a matter of luck. Luck is a big part of my business. So I went to my office and sat on behind my desk to wait. In case Amos Fletcher showed up, I wanted to be sure to be able to hold up my end of the conversation. So I took out my thirty-eight and put it across my knees. Diamond Detective Agency. If you've slaughtered a dozen, no difference to me. One or fifty, it's the same old fee. What kind of a remark is that, Shamus? What kind of remark did it sound like, Sergeant? I ain't got time to answer that. I called Fletcher. Good. What did you tell him? Well, I was pretty good, as a matter of fact. 
I disguised my voice like this, and I says, Amos Fletcher, and he says, yeah. So I says, just a little tip I thought you might want to know about. Richard Diamond has got that which you has been looking for. He found it in Romero's new offices. How was that, Shaman? Brilliant change of voice. Uh, you think it'll work? Put down the phone. You hear me, Shamus? You think it'll work? Hang it up. Hey, Diamond! Oh, that's better. All right, Shamus, let's have it. Have what? I haven't got time to play games. This time, you've got to believe me. This time, I'm unhappy, so hand it over. You're making it pretty tough, Fletcher. I'm going to make it a lot tougher. Oh. Oh, now, isn't that a pretty big gun to be carrying around? It's a little big, sure, but it does everything I want it to. Mm-hmm. A German Schmeischer, isn't it? That's right. Put a stock on it, and you could shoot it like a rifle. I'm going to count three, and then I'm just going to shoot it. Now, why don't you be smart and give me the stuff? Let it ring. It might be a paying client. It might. Let it ring. You shot Pat Romero from his new offices across the street from the 5th Precinct, didn't you, Fletcher? Is that what you say? Yeah. What was he doing, blackmailing you? You gave him $10,000 sometime today. You know, you're talking yourself right into a long box. Why did you shoot him in a police station? I paid him the 10000 and he handed me the stuff, and I thought it was a McCoy. I went back to my office and started checking through the stuff. That phone's going to bother me. There. You checked the stuff back in your office, and you found out it was phony. You got worried, went back to Romero's offices. He wasn't there. He was across the street in the 5th Precinct. You spotted him through the window and shot him. That's right, Shamus. I saw him talking to a cop and figured he might be spilling his guts. I waited until a cop left and I nailed him. Now give me the stuff. You'll have to believe me, Fletcher. I haven't got it. Don't give me that. I got a tip. Sure you did. That was Sergeant Otis from Homicide. You're crazy. Am I? He said, just a little tip. I thought maybe you might want to know about. Richard Diamond has got that which you has been looking for. (laughs) What did Romero have on you? Some records. You know something, Diamond? I don't mind killing you at all. Drop it, Fletcher. What? Wait. I got Walt. Oh, 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 oh. Fletcher. Fletcher. How is he, Walt? Uh, pretty bad. I didn't know you had a gun, Rick. Neither did Fletcher. Diamond. Yeah? Phone for a doctor. Hurry. I'll do it, Rick. Hey, who tore this phone out of the wall? Fletcher got tired of hearing it ring. <laughs> that you're playing, Rick? Oh, it's an old thing. Oh. Yes. Hello, Helen. This is Walt. Yes, Walt. He's right here. Thanks, dear. Hello, Walt. Rick, we found the stuff Romero was blackmailing Fletcher with in a safety deposit box. A bunch of books that exposed one of Fletcher's old rackets, enough to send him away for life. Well, bully for you. Oh, and something else. You better get down here right away. What for? You didn't finish your test. You don't want to flunk it, do you? What? You got the first part all right, the hypothetical part I can cover for you, but you didn't do anything on the last part of the written examination. Now, you listen to me, fatty. Fatty? The fattest. I've chased my head off solving a case and getting your big feet... Big feet? Big feet out of trouble. I've gotten shot at, insulted, kicked in the face. Well, low I don't want to hear any more of your lame brain excuses. You just fix it up for me, and I'm going to go in and drop a few subtle hints to the commissioner about his nasty old lieutenant. You wouldn't. Oh, but I would. What did you say? Well, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Take the test for me. Fill out the answers yourself. Cheat. Cheat? Cheat! Oh, that's what you always say. Now, uh, what were we talking about? Oh, honey, you were asking me about this little old song. Hmm, pretty. What is it? Oh, well, give a listen. 
Oh, how I miss you tonight Miss you when lights are low Oh, how I need you tonight More than you'll ever know Each moment though we're apart You're never out of my heart But I'd rather be lonely And wait for you only Oh, pal, how I miss you tonight. Okay. Mm, oh, it's very pretty. Shall I? Uh, might as well. Yes. May I please speak to Mr. Diamond? Oh, my goodness, Rick. No, what? Yes, but look out. Oh, oh all right. Hello. You passed, Mr. Diamond, 99 out of 100. 99 out of 100, hmm? Which one did I miss? The last one. I knew you wouldn't care, so I let Otis fill it in for you. No. Yes, the commissioner wants to see you tomorrow morning. Why? What was the question? To what department does the cleanup squad belong? Well, what did Otis write for an answer? The Department of Sanitation. Tomorrow at 11, Rick. <laughs> Au revoir. You have just heard Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. Ed Begley played Lieutenant Walt Levinson. Also in the cast were Wilms Herbert, Francis Robinson, Don Diamond, Anne Morrison, and Paul Dubov. Music was under the direction of Frank Worth. Today's show was written by Blake Edwards and directed by Russell Hughes. Dick Powell currently may be seen in the motion picture version of the best-selling novel, Mrs. Mike. This is Eddie King inviting you to be with us next Sunday at this same time when we will again bring you Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Thank you for listening, and thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.